welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. The deadly seven is a play on the seven deadly sins, which is a list from church history that was compiled by Pope Gregory in 590 AD. And basically, they they are seven problem areas that have caused every generation pain and hurt. And this series is all about identifying those things in your life that will kill, steal and destroy the promises and the purpose of God for our lives. But what we have been saying each time is this, that essentially God is a big yes God. I'm over this Christianity that makes God this big no God, that Christians can't have fun and can't do anything. That is not how it started in the beginning. In the beginning, as Pete alluded to in the introduction, is that God created man and put him in a garden and gave him boundless opportunities to do many, many different things. And so he could run around and he could climb trees and he could climb the mountains and he could play with the lions and the tigers. Man, he was so free. They didn't even have to wear clothes back then, could run around naked and God was saying, yes, it's okay. Yes, it's okay. God was able to, um, or sorry, Adam was able to name all the animals. And so when animals came by, um, Adam would say, I'm going to call this one a giraffe or this one an elephant or this one a lion. And God said, yes, yes, yes. The only no was found in the middle of the garden. And it was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, I don't want you touching that tree. I don't want you eating the fruit of that tree. Good parenting has its nose. But essentially, it's on the foundation of yes. But the nose are there for our protection. And the seven deadly sins are a list of things that lead to death. In some cases, physical death. In some cases, the death of relationships. In some situations, the death of your dream. We see today people living with no hope. We see people living in depression and suicide. And and mental illness is on the rise in huge numbers today. And what you need to understand is none of these were God's plan for our life. People often say, if God's a God of love, why do all these bad things happen? Here is the reason why. Because essentially we don't do anything about what God says we should do something about. We ignore him to our own peril. You know, there are so many things that are killing people and hurting people today. But if we just did it God's way, no virgin has ever died of AIDS. It's God's way. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And we need to follow that plan and purpose. And so today... We're going to be looking at one of the deadly seven sins, and today's is gluttony. Turn to the person next to you and say, gluttony. And so I want to quickly look at what gluttony is. Gluttony is the habitual greed or excess in eating. And um, I want to show you a clip. And I do want to say before I show you the clip, it is disgusting. It is gross. And many of you might know where I'm going with this. But if you're a little bit squirmish, please feel free just to shut your eyes. I will not be offended. 
But just so as we get some concept or some direction or some understanding of what gluttony is, this is the extreme case of gluttony. And before I show it, I just want to say, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But please enjoy and take a look at the screens. It's wafers in. <laughs> For the last 30 years, we've been using that line. It's wafers in. I love that. Anyway, that's the extreme case of what I'm talking about today. But the reality is, this subject applies to the overindulgence of anything, really. Be it the overindulgence of wine, which can lead to drunkenness. Even, even too much honey can make you sick. And so that's what we're looking at today, gluttony. Why is gluttony a problem? And I want to say this before I get into anything else today, that I do not want to be insensitive. Because I realise that there are people today with different body shapes. And there are some with slower metabolisms. And your upbringing may have been really unhelpful. You may have learned a whole heap of bad habits in and around eating and drinking, etc. And I'm also very mindful on this topic that people can be cruel. And you may have been teased or even bullied at school because of your physical appearance. But please hear me, I am not here to add to your pain today. I'm here to hopefully help. See, this message is not so much what you look like as to the dangers of what it leads to. I'm not here to talk about your physical look. I'm here to address the issue and the problems that gluttony leads to. See, unbalanced eating leads to unhealthy lives. And that's what we want to address today. In Proverbs 23, verse 20, it says, Do not join with those who drink too much or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. In other words, if you are given to gluttony, then it's going to lead to poverty. You're going to impoverish your life, be it materially, relationally, spiritually, you're going to be robbed. And that is not what God intended for you. Going back to the Garden of Eden, it was all about, yes, God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. He wants you to succeed in life. You've been created to succeed. You've been created to overcome, not to live impoverished because of bad choices. Look at some of the statistics in Australia today. One in four Australians aged 18 years and over were obese in 2007-2008, according to the figures released by the Australian Bureau of Statistics. An estimated 1.5 million people under the age of 18 are considered overweight or obese. This means about 20 to 25% of Australian children are overweight or obese today. 50% of obese adolescents continue to be obese as adults. If weight gain, this, you've got to get this, if weight gain continues, 
the path it is following, by the year 2020, 80% of all Australian adults and one third of all children will be overweight or obese. Obese people have higher rates of premature death and chronic illness. Some of these conditions include cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, sleep apnea, osteoarthritis, physiological problems and reproductive problems for women. Child obesity is also related to many medical conditions like respiratory disorders, orthopedic problems, release of growth hormone, arthritis and gastric problems. Listen to this. In 2008, the total annual cost of obesity in Australia, including health system costs, productivity, productivity declines, and carers' costs, was estimated at around $58 billion. And Proverbs says if you're given to gluttony, it'll lead to poverty. Yeah. Bible's not a bad book. It's very helpful if we could apply it. To our lives. It gets me to think that maybe, just maybe, we're becoming like the Cretans of old. The Cretans did not have a good reputation with the people around the then known world. Indeed, they didn't even have a good reputation amongst their own people. In Titus 1, verse 12, it says, Even their own prophets have said that Cretans are liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. Are we not heading down the same path where we will be known around the world as the fattest and most overweight, obese people? Will it not come to the day when we actually have to agree and concede, yes, we have become that? I've told a couple of pastor friends of mine that I'm sharing on this subject and they said, I've never heard a message on this. And maybe that's why the problem is getting worse because the answer is never found in silence. It's about speaking up and speaking the truth to help people. And that's what this message is about. It's about helping people. And so why do people overeat? Well, there are many reasons. For some, it's just greed and opulence. You know, back in the day, you know, being overweight... When you look at those old Roman movies, the king was always overweight and just gorging himself because it was a sign of his wealth and prosperity. So it could be greed, it could be addiction. You know, food becomes quite addictive, and more importantly, it's the ingredients in the food, namely salt and sugar. They become addictive. We talk about being addicted to drugs, but there are plenty of people that are addicted to soft drink and lollies. They say that they put additives in, in, in the burgers at certain food chains in order to keep you coming back. Yeah. So we get addicted to food. Some eat out of boredom. You ever been bored and you just find yourself eating? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just woke all the young people up. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> it could be loneliness. Home alone. Didn't get invited to that party. So you're home alone and you find yourself eating. It could just be that you're depressed and going through a tough time and so you use food for comfort. Who's ever eaten? Who's ever been down a little bit and eaten chocolate? You don't know why, you just, just kind of like... It's like, you know, it, it's the Christian drug. 
It's like, we, we know we're not allowed to do crack, we'd like to, but we just can't. So what, what's the next best thing? I know, chocolate. It's amazing we kid ourselves as Christians. Talk about those, those filthy people in the world and their drinking habits and, and their drug habits. And we're just as addicted to things. It may not be drugs that we go to, but it might be the chocolate. Or it could be those little lollies shaped in like cars and milk bottles. Mm. I had a really tough time putting this message together because I kept by myself wanting to eat. <laughs> Thinking, yeah, I'm going to preach on these people always. Oh, hang on, just, I'll just hold that thought. I'll just find out. <laughs> Many different reasons why people eat. Jesus hung around people that had these kind of problems. Greed, addiction, boredom, loneliness, depression. And he hung around these people because they're the people he came for. He came to help. In actual fact, he was so comfortable around these people, people, the religious people, the religious establishment accused him of being a glutton. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, it says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And so that means he went to the party and he'd have a drink with them and he'd eat with them. And because everyone else was overeating and over drinking, they just put Jesus in the same category. And it says, And they said, He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Then it goes on to say, but wisdom is proved right by her actions. He was at the party drinking. He was at the party eating. But he wasn't obese and he wasn't drunk. But he was there amongst the people. The very people that he came for. Our role in the church is to get amongst the people. But we've got to be seen to be different. So yeah, we can eat and we can drink and we can talk and we can be there at the parties. And you might get accused by people who are part of the religious establishment. And they may accuse you of being a drunkard. They may accuse you of being a glutton. But wisdom is proved right by your action. Now, if you're getting as drunk as they are and, and you're stuffing your face as much as everyone else, then you're not really going to be a witness. And it certainly is not what Jesus was condoning here. But it just amazes me that Jesus got accused of being a glutton. And yet, if there's one thing you can actually prove whether you're a glutton or not, is, is your weight. And, and this is Jesus, the Son of God. We're not talking about Buddha here. We're talking about Jesus, this healthy, fine, fit human being. But he got accused. And so what can we do when how can we overcome overeating? Get this real practical. Again, this is not to bring condemnation. For some of you, this is going to be really tough. There's others that may as well leave right now. Danny Morton, you may just go home. Just eat whatever you want, do whatever you want in this subject because you know it's like, you know, he weighs about 30 kilos or something. He's just like 
And so like with every you know, message I ever do, for some it's like, yes, preaching time. And like, oh. you know, in fact, one of my pastor friends tweeted me when he saw what I was preaching. I said, oh, I don't know if I ever want to hear that message. It'll be too convicting. <laughs> and I laughed. But how can we overcome overeating? Does anyone want to know how? Really practical. Please. <laughs> well, stop eating first um, and listen up. Origin Coffee Bar, we closed today. Um, <laughs> Proverbs 23, verse 1 says this. When you go out to dinner with an influential person, mind your manners. Don't gobble, scoff, inhale your food. Don't talk with your mouth full. It's rude. And don't stuff yourself. Bridle your appetites. Bridling your appetite is like a picture of a wild stallion. Magnificent, but out of control. It's not until that stallion is bridled and comes under control of the owner that it becomes useful. That's what it's saying. Just as a stallion must be bridled in order for it to be useful and effective, so must your appetite. Responsibility, yours. Again, I don't mean to be disrespectful. And your parents may not have helped you, but it's not their fault. And it's not your thyroid's fault. And it's not all those other things that we have used as reasons for why we find ourselves as we find ourselves. This essentially is a self-control issue. And in the Christian church, it's kind of like the pardonable sin. It's like the one area that we're allowed to be out of control and no one will ever talk about it. I mean, I don't know, if you knew I was getting drunk, over drinking, would you respect me as a pastor? Would you? Say I had a drug habit, would you respect me as a pastor? Say I couldn't control my sexual urges, would you respect me as a pastor? And I just, you know, you hear that he's just sleeping around, would you respect me? All those are self-control issues. This is no different. Oh my goodness, I said it. This is the one thing. It's kind of like the one vice that Christians and the Christian world by and large just turn a blind eye to. And I refuse to do it because of what it's doing to our nation. And so what can we do? Some real practical things. These are so practical, it's just it's embarrassing. And before I get into them, I just want to say some may need medical intervention, surgical procedures. But even those of you who do will be first encouraged by your doctors to change your thinking and your attitude. They will encourage you to lose some weight and change some of your habits before you go under the knife. I know that to be true. 
And so even if you need to have some medical procedures, your thinking needs to change, and that's what I hope to do today. So what can we do? Number one, clear your cupboards. Clear your cupboards. In other words, get rid of all the sweet things in your house. I said last week when I was speaking about last, remove the temptation, same deal here. Remove the temptation. Don't buy all the junk food and then have to pray to God to give you strength not to go to the cupboard. Just don't, ha- just don't have your cupboard full in the first place. You can save yourself hours praying. Just get rid of the... Eat less more often. Smaller meals more regularly. Curb your carb intake to the first half of the day, not the second half of the day. You know, that's not in the Bible. What you've got to understand about Jesus and the disciples, they were eating fish. And they were walking everywhere. There was no television, no cars, no bus, no Game Boys, no internet. And so you didn't have to say, uh, why don't you get up and walk? What else are we going to do? So we got. (laughs) Just walk for hours. Didn't have donuts in the corner store. And so some of these things are not in the Bible, granted, because common sense was in play. Thirdly, plan and pack your meals. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. In other words, think ahead of what you're going to eat during the day. Shop accordingly. Pack your meals for that day. I don't have a lunchbox. I have lunch boxes, And they get into a sports bag. And I've got my mid-morning snack, I've got my lunch, I've got my mid-afternoon snack, and I go home and it's all packed up. And we cook thinking of the next day. Just a thought. That if you could eat smaller meals more regularly, then... It's going to help you overcome the cravings. And it's also going to keep you leaner. If you look at the animal kingdom, the the animals that graze all day are leaner than the ones who just scoff their face and hibernate. Whatever number it is, make water your primary drink. This is not a no alcohol talk. Have some alcohol in moderation. Have some soft drink in moderation. Have your coffee in moderation. Have your orange juice in moderation. What about red cordial? Well, as long as you're not under the age of 10, stay. <laughs> whatever, in moderation. All those other drinks in moderation make the primary drink water. Do some exercise. You know, I'm not trying to put on to you what I do, but every morning I go for a 40-minute walk. It's what I do every morning. I get on the treadmill, more recently cross-trainer, 
I know I'm going to burn X amount of calories. It gives me an opportunity to talk to my wife, pray, listen to a message, listen to some music. I've already had a 40-minute worship session this morning on my treadmill. Just listen to music and burning 420 calories. It's what I do. Now, you might say, I can't. You mean every morning? I mean every morning. This is what I do. It's just part of my routine. I realize for you to go from zero to that would be impossible. But, but what about just twice a week? Why not just go for a walk around the block? Start somewhere. Maybe ask yourself, how often do you catch the, uh, the, get in the car when actually you could walk somewhere? Get a pedometer and, and measure how many steps you do in the day. And try and get the thing above 100. That would be great. <laughs> do something. Again, the, these things are not so much in the Bible, but you've got to understand, we didn't, they didn't have the lifestyle that we have today. Yeah. The lifestyle does not encourage you to stay fit and healthy. The lifestyle encourages obesity. And so we have to make a, draw a line in the sand and do something different. And so you've got to pitch all of this where you're at. If you're fairly fit, you might want to take it up so you can do some more. Or if you haven't even started, you can start very basic. But I realize I'm talking to a wide range of people here. And some just want to kill me right now. I realize that. But you've got to love me because you're a Christian. Remember that. Good time to multitask, listening to messages, listening to music. I, I think if, if husbands and wives found some time to walk together, we could save some marriages. We could deal with lust, gluttony. We could deal with so many of these things all at once. You might not like it, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Um, get a hobby. In other words, do something to stop the boredom. Just do something. I can think of nothing worse than stamp collecting, but if stamp collecting stops you eating, do stamps. Smoke them, snort them, whatever you need, just do something. Remember, never forget as, as young kids, uh, mum tried to get us into stamp collecting. We got the book, got the introductory stamps. We started and stopped our stamp collecting on the same day. I'm like, oh, this is fun, stuck them all in. Stupid hobby. <laughs> but whatever it is, do something. Get your mind off yourself. Get your mind off food. Do something. Keep a food diary. Write down, I, I challenge you this week, write down everything you eat. Oh my gosh. Buy a big pad. You'll be shocked. You say, oh, I just had a, just had a few, no, I just had a couple of lollies. No, you, you had a couple of bags of lollies. It's different. We do, we kid ourselves. Just write it down. How's that for homework? Write down what you eat this week. Tweet that somebody. Come on, JT. Actually, you can leave too, mate. You don't need to be here. That's a poor excuse for a chest right there. Just, just. I think it's a poor choice of tattoos. You should have tattooed muscles on. But anyway, it does. I'm just deflecting because people are looking at me daggers. So I'm just deflecting. Sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. So write it down for a week. How about it? Write down what you eat for a month. Just... 
This is to help you. This is to give you your life back. This is going to save your life. It's going to save your life. Nothing sadder than people just have kids and they can't play with their kids because they just don't have the energy levels, don't have the fitness. Your kids deserve better than that. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for your family. No doubt your kids love you and, and, and they want you to be around for a while. We don't want to bury anybody prematurely. We want people to live and be... Tweet, JT. We want people to be around for a while. Taylor was 85 years of age and full of life and vitality. We want some of that. We want the Irene Langs of this world to be more commonplace. We don't have to go the way of everybody else. I'm not talking about being a muscle man. I'm not talking about being a supermodel. I'm talking about just health. We've got different body shapes. You know, you can go to the gym and, and if, you've got, if your body shape you know, is a pear, it'll always be a pear. But if you get to the gym, at least it can be a smaller, fitter, healthier pear. <laughs> if you're an apple, it could be a smaller apple and healthier apple. This is not about winning competitions. This is not be, be, being on the front cover of Vogue. This, this, is, this is about being healthy. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. He's got to start with health. I'm sure that he had that in mind. A healthy life. My last point is simply this. This is it's just embarrassing how simple this is. Just go to bed earlier. I mean, that'll stop a lot of lust problems right there. Everything after 8.30 on television is just rubbish for the most part. You've got to replace your thoughts with whatever is pure, holy, excellent, not the junk that's on television. How are you ever going to be a man watching the programs that are on television these days? Every television program makes the man of the house look like an absolute idiot. Modern family. The guy's an idiot. You see the wife rolling her eyes. Oh, Phil. Too many fills in this world. Man up. You don't man up watching that. Now, if you enjoy it, and I'm not, I'm not anti the program, but I'm anti. It's like the guy comes up looking like the idiot in all the shows. So go to bed early. If you're anything like me, the hardest time when it comes to eating is after dinner. Because that's when we finally sit down and relax, sit in front of the television. And it's amazing. You don't necessarily feel like a burger. But when you see McDonald's and then Hungry Jack's over, you think, yeah, I could go a burger. You just had a big dinner, but you, you know, just could really go one of those right now. And then all the other stuff that comes your way, this food just, you know, you're just sitting there. Just, you know. And before you know it, it's like you're in a trance. You just walk to the fridge. How many parents have like, 
How many of you have ever done this? You find yourself standing in front of the cupboard, just standing. Just... You're, like a, you're like a zombie, you're in a trance. It's like, oh. You don't even know how I got here. Just like, I was on the couch a minute ago, now I'm here. Well, the fridge. And the only thing that gets you out of the trance is thinking, gee, I'm cold. Oh, oh, the fridge is open. I'm going to shut it. Is it just me? Seriously, for some of you, I mentioned before, JT, Danny, you know, they're just like, they're just playing Game Boy, I'm sure, or whatever it is. What is Game Boy? What is it? Instagramming, tweeting, faxing, uh, (laughs) Facebooking, I meant to say. He said, oh, it's all right for them. They're guilty of the other six. <laughs> so I realise it's, it's, I was going to say, it's not easy to stomach a message like this, but. <laughs> but see, if I can just go back a little bit and say, I'm not here to be insensitive. We're here to help. If you're a drug addict, I'd want to help you. If you're addicted to porn, we want to help you. If you're addicted to too much alcohol, we want to help you. This cannot afford to be the taboo subject that no one's prepared to go because you might offend someone. Every time I open my mouth, there's a good chance I'm going to offend somebody. If there's one thing I know I'm good at, it's offending people. Not intentionally but because human nature is what it is. I can't remember a day in my life I set out to offend anybody. I can't wait to get to church today. Offend people, I love it. <laughs> I, I do, I struggle over stuff like this. I think, God, you know, I, I know people are going to really struggle with this today. Pick somebody else. All our preaching teams said, oh, Tony can do that one and Tony can do that one. <laughs> But I do count it a privilege because I know it's going to help you. It's going to help you, but it starts with you. It starts with you. All of these things start with you. And that decision you make about what you're hearing. If you want to get yourself physically healthy, it's going to depend on you. If you want to get yourself mentally healthy, it's going to depend on you. If you want to get yourself spiritually healthy, it's going to depend on God. And what you do with Him. See, all of this comes back to our Genesis. God's plan. You don't see God putting some overweight guy who's addicted to pornography in the garden. Who's got problems with depression and alcohol. You don't see God putting that in the garden. That's man's doing. God put health 
He put the best. He put hope. He put dreams. He put authority. He put purpose in Adam's life. There's that one moment that got the better of him. Namely because of the woman. They looked at this fruit. It looks good. And they took a bite of the tree that they should not have taken a bite from. And the world has been decaying ever since. Where's God? If he loves us, allowing all these bad things to happen, he's on his throne. He's in control. Over all. Working all things together for his plan and purpose. He loves us so much that he sent his son to reverse that curse that began the moment the fruit was picked from that tree in the garden of the middle, or the tree in the middle of the garden. And God sent his son to reverse that moment. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If a band can come, that'd be great. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.